thank you very much for joining this ICF podcast with the ICF Switzerland, please. Could you please present yourself to our listeners so they have an idea who you are and what you do? Yeah, sure. So uh, I'd probably present myself as a mixture of several things. So in terms professionally, I'm a lecturer, I'm an organizational consultant, and I'm a coach. And I spent over 13 years in uh, corporate life working for an international development bank, the European Bank for Reconstruction and Development. They're headquartered in London. I lived in France, in Germany, in Russia, in the UK, and now Switzerland. And in terms of coaching, I have a, a global client base. So I, I work mostly digitally uh, all across the world. Thank you very much. When was the moment that you realized coaching could be the right profession for you? Aha. Um, that was at the EBRD, so the European Bank for Reconstruction and Development. And at that time, I had joined the office of the then president, Sasuma Chakrabarti, and he had joined the organization with a, a massive change program. And I felt, you know, really drawn to it. I was, I was curious. I was like, I really wanted to understand how you change such a massive organization. So you had headquarters in London and then you had offices in over 30 countries all around the world. And within those countries, you sometimes had several offices because they were obviously very large countries. If you think of Russia, if you think of Turkey, if you think of, of Egypt. And so um, I was very curious as to how you would change this. And I had my, my background is in uh, international relations and in finance. So I had no clue about change management. And I started learning on the job from other professionals who were highly experienced in, in that field. And I kind of felt that I wasn't as effective as I could be. And over coffee, I was talking with someone and he mentioned coaching. And I'd, I'd never heard of coaching before. It was my very first time. And I thought, yeah, why not? And so I applied to the, to the coach training that he had done and that he really uh, recommended very, very warmly. And I trained as a coach. And the funny thing was that I, I paid for all of this myself and did it, you know, during weekends and had to book my own holidays for it. And then one day, uh, my boss, so the president, said, Lise, you changed. What did you do? You know, and he was kind of looking at, is it a new haircut? Like, what happened? And, and then I, I realized that actually the coaching skills was what he was looking at. And that kind of propelled my career forward. So from that moment on, I was, you know, using those skills at work um, in, in the way I was leading massive change programs. And I also had a very small boutique consult, you know, coaching business on the side where I was coaching individuals. And that's how the global thing started as well, because I was working full time, so I couldn't do nine to five UK time. And so I was coaching uh, Asia in the early mornings and the US, Canada in the late evenings. And, and this way uh, I could kind of still finesse, let's say, the, the coaching skills. Thank you. What was it that really changed? What was the big change? What did you do differently? I think empathy was was a huge one, um, you know, not trying to impose whatever big program we wanted to do in the bank, 
but to really uh, try to understand better where people were coming from, um, what made them fearful of change, and the way of interacting. So, you know, um, interacting through open-ended questions, really inquiring with curiosity as to what the world is of the persons I was interacting with professionally. And then through open-ended questions, helping them to see how, you know, maybe they had a closed thinking or could look at things differently, getting those uh, aha moments that we often have with our clients. So I'd say a mixture of all of that was what changed in how I interacted with people in the workplace. Mm -hmm. So really interesting kind of life-changing uh, approach, okay. And how yeah. did you come to the ICF? So that was more by chance. So the, the program that came recommended and, and that I did was with uh, BOAS Professional um, Transformational Leadership. So it's a very small um, coaching practice with one of the first coaches. So Sarah Boas, who is now called Zora Boas, is uh, one of the very, very few uh, coaches in the UK. She's been an MCC for many, many years by now. She's a pioneer of the profession. And her school, her coaching program was affiliated with the ICF. It was uh, one of those ACTP programs. And at the time, I was also looking for a professional body that would be international because mm. of my, you know, moving around so many countries, I, I kind of didn't know which country would be next. So I wanted to have a professional body that would also have a footprint in pretty much every country in the world. And the other professional bodies at the time were more European focused. So the EMCC, for example, wasn't global. And uh, now they are, by the way, now they are international too. Mm. What would be a, a, a metaphor that describes your coaching practice? Mm -hmm. So I have a very, if, if we had a camera, you'd be able to see it. I've, I've got a very old one, which you might know this children book. Um, Die Raupe Nimmersatt is the German uh, title. I think in English, it's the never hungry uh, uh, caterpillar. And mm -hmm. basically it's a caterpillar and it eats and it eats and it eats and it becomes fatter and fatter and fatter. And, and one day it transforms into a butterfly. And it's a little bit this idea of transformation that mm -hmm. I'm after with, with my clients as well. Very nice metaphor. Thank you very much. <laughs> I liked it. Who are typical clients? So, yeah, I was thinking about this, um, especially because I, I listened to previous uh, podcasts uh, from other people who spoke uh, with you. And um, so I, I don't have typical clients in terms of typology. So I can't tell you, you know, gender wise or nationality wise, or industry wise, uh, even age wise. It's very, very broad. So I work with entrepreneurs. I work with first time managers. I work with a C-suite. Um, you know, male and female, all sorts of nationalities, all sorts of industries. Um, they do have one thing in common, though, and it's really um, this idea of wanting to find their own leadership style. Um, so they usually face challenges, and most of the time it's because they're still behaving in a model that is not their own. So they're either trying to fulfill society's expectations or their partners or their parents' expectations, and they're not fully aligned with themselves. 
And so the work that we do together is to really enhance this self-awareness, including looking at the shadow sides that uh, people are usually less proud of, and to really embrace all of it and, and dig quite deep to find out, you know, what's, what's your vocation, what are the areas that you need to integrate, and how can you align all of this to really launch like an arrow and, and achieve your, your goals and objectives. And so what I just said, this vocation integration and alignment is part of a model that I use quite a lot in my coaching, which is called the VIA model and has those three three steps um, in, in a way. Okay, what does VIA mean? So VIA is the, um, you know, it means the path, obviously, in, in Latin, um, but it's vocation, integration and alignment. And usually it's never, a, you know, it's never a linear line. It's more, you can think of it as a circle. So, you know, you, you understand what it is that you want to contribute to the world. That's your vocations. It links into your value. It links into your purpose. It links into the vision that you have for yourself and the world at large. And then the integration is looking at, okay, what do you bring to the table? Like if I think of myself, for example, I mean, I used to be a banker, I used to be an economist, I worked on change, I was an advisor, like I was so, so many things. And how do you integrate all of this together so that it fits and so that it enriches all the different parts of yourself, the, the good ones, the shadow ones, all enrich each other and allow you to really have this alignment And really, as, as I said, then this alignment, the idea there is really you launch like an arrow towards towards your objectives and towards your goals. Mm -hmm. Sounds great. So I learned something. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> You're also active in the ICF UK, right? Yes, correct. Yeah, well, that's yeah. my home base. So I've, I've lived in the UK for over a decade. And so I've, I've always been active with the with the ICF UK. Um, I was a board member in, in, I think, 2013 till 2015, uh, so towards the beginning of my coaching career. And now, most recently, uh, I'm a board member for Thought Leadership with the ICF UK, working closely as well with the Global Thought Leadership Institute. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's always highly enjoyable. The UK is a big market in terms of coaching, probably a little bit more developed, say, than, than some markets in continental Europe. And I, I like, um, you know, the ability to meet other coaches, uh, learn from them. Um, yeah, that's uh, something I, I, I'm quite fond of. Mm -hmm. What, uh, when, you, when you look forward into the future, how do yeah. you see the coaching profession in a few years? Hmm, it's a good question because I think a lot is currently happening in terms of digitization. Um, so I, I currently I downloaded an app called 29K, for example, that is a little bit like a coach in your pocket where you get pretty good questions and then, you know, you can work through those questions in your in your own time. So I'd say that a lot of what we could call, you know, beginner level coaching is, is highly likely to be replaced by such apps um, and, you know, such just self-help things so whether it's a workbook or some you know virtual reality thing or i don't i don't know but um they, they will be tools that will replace that i think the value of coaches now is more or in the future will be more in this relationship 
So it's it's really um, a job where you are in relationship with your client. And as this idea, you might have come across this term of use of self, where you as a coach, you use yourself as an instrument, a little bit like, you know, when you have two guitars in the room and mm -hmm. one guitar is being played, then the other instrument, even if it's just there, it starts resonating with a sound. Mm -hmm. And that's this idea of in relationship when, you know, you, you kind of resonate with whatever the client gives you. And in, it allows you to hold a mirror and say, hey, this just generated, I don't know, tension in me or sadness in me. What does it mean for you? You know, how, how do you relate to this? And then the client might start to connect with something that they were unaware of. And I think that's where the relationship is probably quite difficult to replicate machine learning wise. I mean, we, we have quite a lot, you know, advanced machine learning now that can recognize emotions in the face or, or through bodily gestures. But I think it will take us some time to be able to recognize this in the energy that is being exchanged somehow uh, for, for an app to pick up on this uh, is, is quite advanced stuff technically. So I think in the next few years for coaches who are able to be in that, you know, in that space of the relationship um, and, and help people access stuff that, that, that they might not be fully, fully conscious of is still um, a very valuable place to be in. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Uh, what do you see in organizations? Do they currently change their the way they interact with the employees? What do you see at the moment? What trends do you see with regards to coaching culture, organizational development? Yeah, so I'm, I'm smiling because right now, uh, well, we obviously live in Corona times. Um, and that has been a massive revolution, right, to the way companies work. Um, I remember leaving EBRD because I was told that there was no way that I could manage my team remotely, even though I was ready to do it, right? And then a few months later, everyone was managing their teams remotely. So, you know, some preconceptions that we had about work have been completely revolutionized. And some companies are quite eager to go back to the old ways and, you know, be back in the office, etc. whilst other companies go full on in the other direction and become fully digital. So if you look at Atlassian, for example, the ones who own Trello and Confluence, etc., um, they are fully digital now. Um, so I think there will be a period of experimentation with the companies in terms of where they want to sit on this continuum. If you look at, you know, one side of the continuum being fully digital, the other side of the continuum being fully face to face, where do they want to sit? Is it, you know, at one of those extremes? Is it somewhere in the middle? And I, my assumption is that this is very likely to be a journey. It'll be, you know, they will try something out and they'll see that something works for one uh, team or one department, but maybe not for another. And for the managers, it means that they need to somehow be able to connect with their employees in a different way. Um, and that obviously, if you have coaching skills, it's a huge plus. So I think learning to integrate coaching skills a bit like I did in, in the EBRD in your everyday job and in how you go about your work is, uh, is going to be very beneficial for, for, for the leaders and organizations. Mm -hmm. What would you recommend younger coaches that just started their, their profession? 
So I've been reflecting recently. I'm currently preparing for my MCC. So I'm, I'm a PCC coach and I'm, I have the hours, I have the training. So I'm kind of uh, preparing the MCC application. And I was reflecting on what changed. And I think when I was younger, when I started out as a coach, um, I had this pressure to perform. You know, I felt like it was my responsibility for the session to yield something good for the client. And I now don't have that that pressure anymore. I, I trust the process. And I think this trusting the process is something that is very valuable. And I still remember joining a call about a year ago where people presented themselves, you know, in terms of, yes, and I'm an experienced coach and I'm a young coach and I'm, and I'd, I'd probably encourage them to ditch those labels and to simply trust themselves and, and really work on this use of self. Um, so really work on having a very, very deep level of self-awareness themselves, because this will help them with their clients too. Thank you very much. Where can people find more information about you? Well, my last name is impossible to spell and to remember, so probably the easiest, rather than look me up on LinkedIn, is uh, my company website, which uh, I've got two, I have two companies. So one is uh, profoundconsulting.com and um, the other one is uh, both and uh, so this idea of you know not thinking in terms of either or but thinking in terms of both and and so both and is more for organizational clients so this is where i do big projects with large corporates um, lots of od uh, and an organizational consultancy um, and uh, profound consulting is uh, more for for smaller clients and uh, yeah there there's a uh, quite a bit. There's the link to, to my LinkedIn, there's the link to my bio. And for those coaches who are interested, probably my other advice for coaches who start out is to really invest in this uh, self-reflection and what the EMCC calls supervision, um, because the ICF, in my opinion, doesn't put enough emphasis on it. And I started doing more of that as I'm preparing now for the MCC, and I regret I didn't discover it earlier. Because this just makes you so, so much better to reflect on what you just did with a client. What might have been your blind spot? What could you have done differently? Uh, what were you thinking as you did this, uh, you know, this intervention, etc. And for that, I have uh, a monthly lab where coaches and change professionals meet on a monthly basis. And we bring cases um, that possibly were difficult for us. And together as a group, we supervise each other, we do group supervision, and we help each other make sense of the dynamics that were at play, you know, the broader dynamics or the systemic dynamics, but possibly also dynamics within ourselves or within us and the client, and, uh, and su as such grow into better practitioners. Okay, thank you very much. It was interesting. Thank you, Matthias. Thanks for having me. <laughs>